Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, and uh, by the help of the Lord, I'm going to preach a few minutes, uh, pray for my throat. I don't know what, um, just with this weather and everything, I uh, just seem not been having a lot of trouble with it, so uh, I'm using this mic, uh, not trying to be like a church of God or a TV evangelist or any of that stuff, you know. And, uh, but anyway, they both pay a whole lot better, I'll tell you that. But anyway, I don't, I'm just holding it because it's a little bit better to use this. You don't have to use your voice uh, quite as much. But uh, anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 17. The Bible said, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I pray that you'll touch us physically and spiritually. I pray, Lord, these next few moments that you'll feed our soul and help us, and may you get glory and honor, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on Calvary, the place of preaching. Calvary, the place of preaching. Paul makes that very clear in this text as he said, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Then in verse number 18, he said, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. If you look down in verse number 23, Paul said, But we preach Christ crucified. I'm glad God still calls men to preach. Amen. And if all, and if there's ever been a theme of our message, it would be Calvary. Amen. If you take the gospel out, then we don't have a message. And Paul in this text, he declares five things in this verse. First of all, in verse number 17, I see Paul's proclamation as Paul says, for Christ sent me not to baptize. He makes a proclamation. There's division and there is, uh, there is disputing amongst the church over who was baptized by who. And Paul makes it clear that Christ did not send him uh, to baptize. And I think that there's a good lesson, a good principle in this text here. And that is that mature Christians do not engage themselves in disputes and divisions amongst each other. Amen. Anytime you find a dispute going on in the church or division in the church, you can mark it, uh, mark it down. It's always involving backslid members or carnal members, amen. There may be those that um, get pulled into that situation, but it's always never the mature saints. Those mature saints, uh, they avoid those type of things and, and they work, as the Bible said in Ephesians chapter three, they endeavor to keep unity in the bond of peace, uh, meaning they do their best to keep unity in the house of God. So we see Paul's proclamation. Then we see Paul's purpose in verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, amen. I want to say that is uh, uh, the purpose of every man of God is to preach the gospel, amen. And Paul makes it clear that his purpose uh, is to preach the gospel. You know, the gospel is the good news, isn't that right? And we're not editors of the gospel. We're just delivery boys, amen. Uh, we just, we're just to bring the gospel to their doorstep. We're, we're to bring the gospel to a lost and dying world. I want to say the good news uh, is the word of God and the headlines of that good news is Jesus uh, is still mighty to save amen and so there's Paul's purpose and then there's Paul's practicality Paul says here not with wisdom of words you know Paul knew how to use words didn't he 
Paul knew how to use wisdom of words. He, he knew how to speak uh, uh, very well, but Paul uh, kept it very plain. He kept it very simple. In fact, in one passage, it even says that Paul was rude in speech. And I don't think that we're to be rude, but I think what that uh, scripture is teaching is that Paul was very blunt. He was very plain. Uh, he didn't water down the gospel. He didn't water down the message. Uh, he didn't try to articulate words in a way that it impressed people. We're, we're not in this to impress, but we are God called and God sent to preach the gospel. And the message ought to be simple. It ought to be practical that a child can understand it, uh, that the, the educated and the uneducated can understand it. And so I see Paul's practicality. And then I see Paul's perception. As he said in verse number 17, he said, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Paul said, if we use wisdom of words and we preach not the gospel, he said, the cross will have no effect. I want to say tonight we have the responsibility to preach Calvary as it is. Calvary is a, is a, is a bloody message. Calvary is a message about death and it's about sacrifice and it's about guilt and it's about shame. Not the guilt and shame of our Savior, but the guilt and shame of every sinner. And the message must be preached. We're not to dress the cross up. We're not to make the, the picture pretty. We're not to try to make it enticing with our words, but we're to preach the gospel to men uh, as they are and men will either receive the gospel or they'll re reject the gospel and Paul's perception is uh, that if we use wisdom of words uh, if we use our own wisdom rather than the power of God then the cross of Christ has none effect I see Paul's perception then I notice Paul's preaching in verse number 18 as he said for, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish Foolishness. You know, the message of the cross will preach tonight, won't it? And those that was around the cross, regardless of who they were, they all declared a message, both saved and lost. You say, what do you mean, preacher? I want to say Pilate declared a message about the cross, didn't he? His message was this, I find no fault in him. The angry mob declared a message about the cross as they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. The thief that railed on the son of God, he declared a message about the cross when he said he saved others, amen. The other thief declared a message about the cross when he said this man hath done nothing amiss. Some, my friend, preached the cross with contention and some preached it for the benefit of others, the centurion declared a message about the cross when he preached and he said truly, this was the son of God. Those that stood there, those that witnessed the cross, uh, they all had a testimony. They all had a message. You know what that tells me? A man cannot stand under the shadows of the cross uh, and not be touched by it and not have something to say that will touch all of eternity and will touch all of mankind. Those who have witnessed the cross, uh, those who have been under the shadows of the cross uh, will surely have something to say about the cross uh, that will affect men for time and for eternity. And Paul said, but we preach the cross uh, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. And when I read that text, uh, this verse came to, or this thought came to my mind, Calvary, the place of preaching. Uh, why do we preach the cross? Uh, why is Calvary the place of preaching? I think you'll see three things here tonight that will tell us why a Calvary is the place of preaching. You see, it doesn't matter if you're preaching from Genesis or if you take your text in Revelation 
revelation. It doesn't matter if you take your text out of the gospel or if you take it out of the Psalms. Everywhere we preach, everywhere we go in this book, you know where it leads us back to? It leads us back to the old rugged cross. It leads us back to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is in every story. He's in every jot. He's in every tittle. He's in every illustration. He's in every principle. He's in every precept. The message of the Bible is that Jesus loved all, that God loved all, and that Jesus died for sinners, and that he'll save sinners if they'll believe the message of the cross. When I think about why we preach the cross and why Calvary is the place of preaching, I want to say, first of all, if you look back at verse 17, I want to say Calvary is the place of preaching because it's the master who has sent us. Amen. Look at what Paul said in verse 17 again. He said, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Christ sent Paul not to baptize, but he did send him to preach the gospel. And the reason that Calvary is the place of preaching is because of the master who sent us. I want to say tonight, we've been sent directly, haven't we? Amen. God sends us divinely. Amen. Listen, who he calls, he equips and he qualifies. What none of us preachers qualified to preach the gospel. I'm talking about the ability within ourselves. Amen. I know there's qualifications to preach, but I'm simply saying this. We didn't have the ability and we still don't. Amen. But the message, the power of the message uh, is not in the man, uh, but it's in the cross. Amen. I'm telling you, a man can be backward. Uh, he can have an awkward personality. He cannot even want to enlist uh, and not to want to be a preacher. But if God puts a call on his life, uh, he'll not be able to get away from it. It'll burn in him, my friend, uh, like a wildfire. Uh, it'll burn all the days of his life. Uh, I'm telling you, every God-called preacher knows what I'm talking about. Uh, there's a desire, there's a burning uh, to preach the word of God uh, and if you don't have that burning uh, it only means one thing uh, you've never been called, amen I remember when Brother Cape was passing away one of the things that Brother Cape said was he asked people to pray that God would touch his old frail body that he might be able to preach one more time getting ready to make the crossing but he never lost the desire to preach. I'm telling you, every preacher worth his salt knows what I'm talking about. You just assume preachers eat, and the preachers like to eat. Somebody say amen but we'd rather preach as breathe, amen? Doesn't matter how tired we get, doesn't matter how uh, wore out, doesn't matter if you listen to what you face, the obstacles you may face in the ministry, there's still that burning desire. God called and God sends, uh, and who he calls, he does send, isn't that right? I'm telling you, if you can sit on a pew uh, and never want to preach, uh, then again, I wanna say you're not called to preach. Uh, uh, do something else, the old timer said, if you can. If you can get away from it, stay away from it, amen? But if you're called, it'll never get away from you. Every man has a different ministry. Listen, all men are not used the same and in the same capacity, but every man has the desire. Some may preach more than others, but it doesn't matter, amen? As long as you preach. Listen, it doesn't matter if it's a jail or a nursing home or a mission or a street corner or if it's a church house. Just preach the gospel, amen? Preach the message. Don't minimize the appointment and don't maximize the point. 
disappointment. Don't build one platform bigger than another. I'm going to tell you the greatest platform you'll ever have is to stand under the anointing and the power of God. It doesn't matter if you're preaching two to two or to 200. Those two need preached to just like 200 need preached to and preach the same. Amen. It doesn't matter if it's a big church or a little church or if it's no church. Just take a text and get a burden and get a message and preach. If you've been sent, preach. Hallelujah. Preach the gospel. And God don't use lazy preachers. Can I get a witness right there? If you're a preacher and won't study your Bible, then you're never going to say nothing. Can I get a witness on that? You don't have to be a theologian, but you better read more. You need to read your Bible, but you ought to, have, you ought to read some books, amen, and study. And don't come along and say, well, uh, you know, uh, I just read my Bible. You're not that smart. You need somebody to help you, amen. Uh, and so get you some good books and read some books. Uh, and listen, much study will make you weary. It'll make you tired. Uh, but you listen, you're going to have to burn the midnight oil. You're going to have to put some other things aside. Uh, you can't get involved in everything else. Uh, and listen, have a touch of God on your life. You're going to have to spend some time in prayer and you're going to have to spend much time in prayer and much time in studying the word of God. If you're going to preach, you're going to have to know this book. Amen. The biggest problem with preachers today is they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not an authority on that subject. But I do know you've got to be filled to preach the word of God. You don't have to have great intellect but you do have to be filled. And the only way to be filled is to be filled with the scriptures, live a separated life, and spend time in prayer. Can I get a witness on that tonight? You gotta let the word of God dwell in you richly. You gotta read the Bible. You gotta have a working knowledge of this book. Study to show thyself approved unto God, not unto men, but unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now we've all said things that were wrong and sometimes human error and the slip of the tongue will always come up whenever we're preaching and we'll say something one way when we meant it another way. But listen, people will overlook that and forgive that. But when you get up and you've not prepared and you've not studied, Hey, listen, that's a sorry excuse for a preacher. Can I get a witness right there? You say, well, I wasn't ready. And the preacher called on me. You ought to be ready all the time. You ought to have six sermons in your Bible every time you go to church, amen? And you ought to have enough scripture in your mind, enough scripture in your heart. If you get called on to preach, you ought to be able to say something about that book, amen? And preach the Bible. It don't have to be the greatest sermon, but it ought to be a Bible sermon. It ought to be what God says, not what we say, not what we think. Not our opinion, not our ideas, amen. But what God written wrote down in this book. And if God calls you, He'll send you and He'll open doors. Can I get a witness right there? And don't go open doors yourself. Amen. Don't start calling pastors and aggravating them. Somebody give me a witness on that. Don't go off and miss your church and visit another church. Somebody say amen right there. When your church is having church, you be at your church. Can I get an amen? Listen, you be faithful. You say, well, I need to visit around and get some open doors. No, you need to be faithful to your home church and stay there and pray for God to open doors and don't promote yourself. We got too many preachers today that's, listen, they're full of self-promotion and they're trying to build their ministry. You know, listen, I remember Brother Allen saying this years ago and Brother Ellis, you remember this, I know. He said, if you put yourself out there, you'll always have to put yourself out there. But if you let God open those doors and you let 
God put you out there. God will put you where you need to be. He'll put you there when you need to be there. And when God's done with you being out there, he'll bring you back. Amen. But I'm telling you, we're living in a day and we've got a lot of self-promotion going on. Uh, listen, uh, God called preachers don't promote themselves. They magnify Christ. Uh, and we ought to preach Calvary and we ought to preach the message uh, because of the master who sent us. Amen. The calling is what makes the difference. When a preacher says he has a burden, that's a good thing. Well, I got the burden to preach, but that don't mean you're called. Well, I got the burden to go to, to Scotland, as our brother is, but it doesn't mean you're called. If you get up and testify and God blesses your testifying, don't think you're called to preach. I mean, we need some people who knows how to testify, don't we? That doesn't mean you're called to preach. And don't listen to other people if they come by and say, you know, you're almost preaching. Well, if you wasn't called, you wasn't preaching. Is that right? Now, I've tried to call Jonathan to preach three times. When they first started coming to the church, I would have some popcorn preaching. I'd come by and say, you'd be ready to preach 10 minutes. He'd say, I'm not a preacher. And I'd forget about it. I'd come back and I'd say, hey, how about preach 10 minutes tonight? He said, I'm not a preacher. So finally, that third time, I said, well, I was just checking on you. But I appreciate him not being influenced, amen, by what people say. God has to put a calling on your life. I'll tell you why that's so important. Because when lonely days come and hard times come, and when the burden cannot be found, the call will still be there. I would be lying to you to tell you I've always had a burden every day. I've tried to, but there's times, there's seasons in life when, when my burden for, for the church wasn't what it should be. Sometimes the burdens of life overshadow the burdens of the will of God. Burdens comes and they go. Sometimes, like we all, we've had to get an altar and say, Lord, give me my burden, make it fresh and new again. But no matter if the burden is up or down, the call, the call is still there. And while I'm preaching to preachers right now, I want to say we've all been called to give the gospel, hadn't we? You may not be a preacher tonight, but you can still do what Paul said. You've been sent to give the gospel. It's the great, and it's not the great option. It's the great commission. Isn't that right? And so I want to say we ought to preach. Calvary is the place of preaching because of the master who sent us. Secondly, because of the message that saves us. Look at verse number, verse number 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You know why Calvary is the place of preaching? Because it's the only place in the Bible that'll save you. Calvary's the place that'll save you. Thank God for the Old Testament. Thank God for, uh, listen, thank, I'm glad God made a way in the garden and God covered Adam and Eve. I'm glad that God raised up uh, Abraham and the seed of promise uh, uh, through Isaac and through Jacob. Uh, and I'm thankful for Moses and how that God uh, raised him up to be that great deliverer and worked those miracles in the wilderness and brought them uh, out of uh, Egypt into uh, the wilderness. And then he raised up Joshua and brought them out of the wilderness into the land of Canaan. And listen, God raised up David and anointed him as king. Uh, 
and he raised up the prophets uh, and thank God for all of that. But I'll tell you, he only had one son and there was only one sacrifice uh, that would take away the sin of this world and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and God put him on the cross and it, it pleased the Lord to bruise him uh, and he died for our sins. Uh, and that's the message that we preach. Uh, everything in the Old Testament is a type and a, a foreshadow of what would come. Uh, and everything in the New Testament points us back to Calvary. And Calvary is the central theme. Why? Because it's the message that saves us. It's the message that brings men to salvation. When they hear about the cross and they hear about the Christ of Calvary and they hear about the love of God and the, and the mercy of God and the blood that was shed for their sins, that's the message that saves. Hallelujah. I want to tell you tonight, the gospel will save the wicked, won't it? And the gospel will save the weak and the weary. It'll save the wealthy. And the gospel will save those who are wandering. And the gospel will save the whole world if we'll get the gospel out. And that's why God blesses a church that'll give to missions and send missionaries out and go out and knock on doors and pass out tracts and invite people to the house of God and have confrontational evangelism. Why? Because that's the heartbeat of God. May we never get away from giving the gospel out and telling others about Jesus Christ and knocking on doors, hallelujah. Now, I'm not being critical when I hear make this statement. I just feel differently about it. I've heard pastors say in the last six months to a year, knocking doors is about a thing of the past now. But I highly disagree with that. No matter what happens in this world, we got to keep going. Well, what if they say this and say that? You know what I say? If they can hang a Democratic uh, door hanger on my door, then I can hang a gospel track on their door. Is that right? Because if they voted Democrat, they need the gospel. Is that right? You say, well, what if, what if somebody calls the law on us? Won't be the first time. But we got to go back, don't we? We got to go back to sowing the gospel. What if they run us off? We'll just go somewhere else. Amen. But we have to go. If we stop going, then we fail to do the Great Commission. And I know there's all kinds of avenues of mail outs and, and all kinds of technology. And thank God for all of that. But it does not take the place of, of what the Bible talks about from house to house and from door to door and from, listen, person to person. We still have to do that. It's still our responsibility. Thank God for missionaries. And we can support hundreds of them. And we should, but it doesn't take away the great commission in our life. We must go to our Jerusalem. We must go and give the gospel. Surely if they can do it in red China, surely if they can do it behind the iron curtain, surely if they can do it in the Sudan, surely if they can do it in the jungles of Africa, we can do it in the streets of America. And Egypt will never dictate what we're supposed to do. We must be about our father's business. We must be giving out the gospel. Why? Because it is the message that saves. It is the master who sent us. Calvary is still the place of preaching. Hallelujah. Then I want to say Calvary is the place of preaching because it is the ministry that separates. Paul said here in verse 17, he said, there's a separation. Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel and not with wisdom of words lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. There's a separation in verse 18 for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish. It's foolishness. 
But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. It's the ministry that separates us. No other denomination or no other, or not a denomination, but no other occult has the message that we have. They can't preach Buddha like we preach Christ. They can't preach uh, uh, Muhammad like we preach Christ. They knock on their door, all they can offer them is a, is a, dead, a dead God and a false God, a dead man and a false God. I'll tell you what we can do is we can preach Christ. We can preach the cross. We can preach Calvary. We can preach the crucifixion. We must not lose the message. We must not leave the message. We must not lower the message. We ought to still knock on people's doors and say, hey, has anybody told you that God loves you and that Jesus died for you and that he wants to save Savior. Has anybody told you that we serve a risen Savior who is still mighty to save and the God of yesterday is still the God of today and he'll be the God of tomorrow? That's a wonderful message to be preaching, isn't it? And we must preach Calvary. We must preach the cross. I remember just right before COVID, we were right over here in Rossville and uh, knocked on the door and there was a young man came to the door and I gave him a gospel track and I said, son, I said, do you go to church? He said, no, I don't go to church. I said, well, has anybody ever told you anything about Jesus? And he said, no. I said, do you know anything about Jesus? He said, I, I know it's something to, to do with, with, with Catholics. And I said, no. I said, it doesn't, it's not have anything to do with Catholics. I said, have you ever heard the, the message about the cross? Right here in Rossville, Georgia. He said, I've never heard that. And for the first time at 17, 18 years old, I told him the message. That's hard to imagine, isn't it? But we're dealing with a different generation today. There's a generation that's grew up whose parents did not take them to church. They grew up in a public school system that they did not read the Bible to them in the morning time. They, they didn't hear the message. They don't know about Noah's Ark. And, and we think everybody knows about Noah's Ark and Daniel and the lion's den and the Hebrew boy, but they don't know those stories. They've not grew up in the same atmosphere that most of us has grew up in. And so we're preaching to a generation that, that's never heard the gospel. Many uh, missionaries would testify to this tonight that are here, but there's places all across this country, up north and out west, town upon town upon town that doesn't have one gospel preaching church. I remember driving through a little town in Idaho with a preacher. We were going through that town and I don't know why of all the towns, this, this little old town uh, that had the signs there that told how many the population was. And we, we come through this little old town and the population was like 900 and something people. A little old spot in the road. And we passed an old church building. I mean, it was, I thought it was a church building, but it wasn't a church building. It was a ward in Idaho. It was an old ward back from the early 1900s. We went, we looked at that building and we thought, and the lady across the street came over and I said, that's a really nice old church. She said, that's not a church. She said, that's a, a Mormon uh, ward is what that is. And I asked the preacher when we left, I said, has there ever been a church in this town? And he looked it up and he said, no, there's never been a, a, a Baptist church or, or a gospel preaching church of any kind. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine living in a town with less than a thousand people? Being born and living your whole life there. 
dying and going to hell and never hearing the gospel in America. Tonight, Calvary is the place of preaching. I'm glad one day I heard the message of the cross. Don't you thank God that one day you heard the message of the cross? Don't you thank God that one day the gospel came to your doorstep? I don't know if he was living in Georgia. I don't know if he was living in North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia. Maybe he was living on the other side of the country. I don't know where he was living at. I don't know if he was in church uh, or if somebody came and knocked on your door at your house. Uh, but I'll tell you, you remember where you was at when you heard the gospel for the first time. You know as well as I do, I didn't deserve to hear that. You didn't deserve to hear that. God could have let it pass us by. We could have went to hell and he has still been God. But don't you thank God tonight that you're sitting in the house of God saved by grace. You know what it means to be saved. You've heard the message of Calvary. Don't you thank God for the preachers that have preached the cross and have preached it to your soul. Oh, I want to tell you tonight, I'm glad it is a familiar message. I'm glad I've heard the old story of Brother Brian again and again and again have Jesus and his glory. I'm glad I know the message of the cross tonight. I'm glad I've heard John 3, 16 so much that I could memorize it. Preacher gets up to preach on John 3, 16 immediately. Our mind says, we've heard that before. But the next time your mind says that, say this, thank God that I've heard that before. Because there's so many people that's never even heard it.